You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. How are you guys doing today? Good? Yeah? It's nice outside, right? Isn't it weird how, like, Texas works? I'm still getting used. I've been here seven years now, and I'm still getting used to weather, right? You walk outside, and it's, like, 80 degrees, and then it rains, and then it's, like, 20 degrees. I, I, I don't understand it. But uh, it, it's fun. So, uh as we're going into this, we're going to be talking about, uh, as Ted said, the color today is uh, of growth is green, and, and it represents growth, right? So how many guys have ever had something that you cared for that had to grow? Like a plant. How many guys have ever had a plant? Like your plant. Like not just like, you know, some corn in the back 40, but like you actually had a plant. Like do, how many guys have had a back 40, just out of curiosity? All right, there's a couple of you that understand what I mean by back 40. All right, um, everybody else is like, what? Okay, how many guys have had, like, I don't know, a puppy? Kind of have to care for a puppy and let it grow, right? Okay, if you don't, I guess they die, I don't know. Um, if you don't, uh, so that's bad. Um, what about, uh, I don't know, a child, small child? You kind of have to care for them or, or and make sure they get everything they need, right? Uh, so when you read about growth in the Bible, okay, spiritual growth, uh, meaningful growth, it's, it's kind of like that, right? There's some things that the Bible says you have to do in order to see growth happen. How many guys, another question, have ever felt spiritually stuck? Like you're not growing, you're not developing. It's kind of rhetorical. You don't have to raise your hand. It's okay. Because then the person next to you is like, ah, oh, sinner. Ah, uh, Right? <laughs> And they're like, I grow all the time. No, no, we all, we all have growth issues at times. But, but this idea that we get stuck and, and, and we, we don't know how to grow. And, and when you look at the Bible and, you, and you're reading it and you're studying it and you're looking for ideas on how to grow or maybe get restarted, a common theme pops up, and that is love. Every time the Bible talks about growth, the word love is dropped in there. Peter drops it in there. Paul drops it in there. Jesus drops it a lot. Okay, the, uh, the, the overriding theme of growth is attached to love, which when I first probably started thinking about this concept and hearing this concept, I was like, yeah, you have to love, but I don't, I don't really see how loving God or loving others is, is so intimately tied to growth. I kind of get the concept, but more and more I looked at it and the more and more I studied it, the more and more I realized that they are intimately linked and that if you don't understand the concept the Bible puts forward of how to love and why we love, then you simply will not grow. You, it's that simple. Matter of fact, John, and we're going to get into this, uh, lays it down in such a way that says not only will you not grow, if you can't love, you're probably not saved. You probably don't even know Jesus uh, if you don't understand this concept of love. So, so John's going to take it to like a whole nother intensity. Uh, and, and so uh, because John takes it to a whole nother intensity, and, and he's so serious about this, I, I figured we'd kind of center ourselves on John and and what we know about John. First of all, do you know John's nickname before he became like the Apostle John? Does anybody know? Just out of curiosity, Bible trivia, I'm just curious. Does anybody know he was the, I'll give you a hint, he was a son of something. Who said it? Nice! Well played, sir. He was the son of thunder, all right? Now, when I think, think son, and, and here's the thing, storm-wise, there was thunder the last couple days. That's the thing in Dallas when it rains, I don't understand. Like, thunder and lightning don't work normally uh, here. They, like, it, it, like, lightning goes sideways and thunder's, like, quiet. But yesterday, it was, like, a real storm. Thunder was, like, booming. And I was like, yes, 
real thunder. Uh, that has nothing to do with anything I'm talking about. I just, sorry, got on a rabbit trail there. Um, but uh, when you think son of thunder, what I want you to do is turn to your neighbor real quick, and what do you think of? If somebody's called the son of thunder, like describe that guy to your neighbor, go. Oh, not Thor. Yeah, be imaginative, people. Okay, I hear temper. How many, how many guys had something about temper or like anger or in your description? Okay, what else? Powerful, okay. Probably, all right, probably. Um, rambunctious, <laughs> all right, energy, Wh- whatever. But, but son of thunder makes me think of son of, really what I immediately draw to is sons of anarchy, which is a show none of us should ever watch. Um, but it, it, those guys would be, to me, a, a son of thunder. Like, they're, they're just, they're intense, they're, they're, they're crazy, they're, they'll, they'll fight at the drop of a hat and sometimes drop the hat for you. All right? So that type of thing. We're talking about uh, he, guys that aren't necessarily calm. I don't know that I would put loving with Son of Thunder, right? But somehow Jesus does something to to John, meeting Jesus and following Jesus, he becomes he becomes kind of known as the apostle of love, okay? And it's it, 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 it's not like he's like all romantic now and able to woo women. Um, that's not what Jesus did for him. What Jesus did for him is is show him value of people and value of love, and and he becomes. Uh, so enamored with this idea that that love is the key to everything that by the time he dies, every sermon he preaches, every time he gets up to preach in the church, he, he finishes almost the same way. Little children, let us love. Uh, Jerome tells us that's how he finishes every sermon and to the point where disciples are starting to get frustrated with him that he finishes the sermon the same way every time and they ask him why he goes because this is the base of everything if we get this we get everything all right so that kind of puts it in perspective how many guys use the word love a lot like love's part of your vocabulary I love my dog I love jello I love everything's love Right? I think it's a misunderstood word. Would you agree that love sometimes is misused or misunderstood? Right? How many of you have ever been told you were loved just to find out you were actually kind of liked? Right? And you're like, that, that hurts. Love hurts. All right, sorry. We, we use it a lot, okay? Um, maybe you say, I love my car, I love my dog, I love bananas, something my son would never say. He hates bananas. Like, my favorite story, my son, we were, at, we were at Amazing Jake's, and he saw this vanilla pudding, and he was so excited, and he went down to eat that vanilla pudding, and it was banana pudding. Best day of my life, the face he made. He's like, Ugh! and he was so, it was like disappointment and horror and almost throwing up all at the same time. It was amazing. Uh, so I was looking across, I was like, I'll find a good love letter to read, like as a demonstration of like how we misunderstood love or something. And this is what I came across. It cracked me up. Dearest Ben, No words can ever express the great unhappiness I've felt since breaking our engagement. Please say that you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. So please forgive me. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Betty. Sweet, isn't it? P.S. Congratulations for winning the state lottery. (laughs) I thought that was awesome. (laughs) Just made me laugh. Had to put it in there. I think we we get a bad definition. I think a lot of times love is given or expressed or talked about because it makes us feel better. 
right? It, it makes us feel wanted and desired. And, and, and love in the Bible is something a little different. Biblical love is self-sacrificing. It's a caring commitment that shows itself in seeking the highest good of someone else. You guys with me on that? Love really is about seeking the highest good of someone else. And so, so constantly it, it calls us to kind of put ourselves in perspective, right? It's not easy. It is very, very difficult. John said it this way. This is the message from the beginning. We should love one another. Right? He's saying this is the base from the beginning. He didn't say, God didn't say, hey, if, if, you, if you pray more, everything will be, it'll be an indication of the fact that you're a great Christian. It won't fix everything. He said to pray, don't get me wrong. Right? He said, hey, if you, if, you, if you sing worship songs more, somehow that will make you a great Christian or, or, or it'll make you grow into something or make you understand. No, he says the base of everything is love, right? All throughout 1 John, you're going to see this. Actually, all, all of John's letters over and over talk about love. All right, Jesus said it this way. A new command I give you, love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. See, what sets us apart as believers from every other religion, from every other thing in the world, is how we love people. We cannot grow into what we're called to be unless we understand that this is the base of everything. And not only that, it's how we're identified. If you look at the early church, right, people that didn't know Christianity, people that didn't know Jesus or understand it, this is how they described the early church. Uh, so one Roman writer said, they know each other by secret marks and signs, and they love one another almost before they know one another. That's a great statement. Lucian, another uh, Greek writer, said this, it's incredible to see the fervor with which the people of that religion help each other in their wants and needs. They spare nothing. Their first legislator, he's talking about Jesus, has put it into heads that they are all brothers. <laughs> I love that. They're all brothers. You, you get the miss uh, on, on how they miss Jesus, but they see something. Even people that don't understand Jesus or get the, the, the kingship or the lordship of Jesus understand there's di something different about how Christians love one another. And anyone, they see it. They should see it. They don't always see it, but they should. Uh, uh, early church father said this, uh, Tertullian said, it's our care for the helpless, our practice of loving kindness that brands us in the eyes of many of our opponents. Look, they say, how they love one another. Look how they are prepared to die for one another. That, that early church, that was what defined them. Our modern church, does that define us? Does that define our local church? Does that define people sitting in these pews? Does that define me? Am I willing to die for you? Some of you, yes. Others of you, I'm working on it. Just kidding. Um, I, I, you know, I, I would like to think that I would die for all of you. I, I won't know until someone shoots me, but... Um, I just, yeah, I was. Go figure. Um, or, nope, apparently I wasn't. Um, I, I won't know, but I'm trying to get to the point where even the difficult people I love, right? Even the people that I don't necessarily get along with naturally, I'm learning how to see them the way God sees them. Not for them necessarily, but because I know that's the only way that I'm going to know God fully is to experience the thing that he values the most. The two greatest commandments, he says, are love God and love others. He doesn't mention anything else. 
And so if I'm going to know God, I really have to understand and know how to love. Um, so look at this. Love causes growth, okay? The reason we love is because we're commanded to. But the benefit of it, the benefit of learning how to love and love each other well is that it causes growth, all right? So here we go. How does it cause growth? All right. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brothers in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions in truth. See, when we learn how to love, we learn how to do it like it's more than just words. It's an action, right? And any good action, anytime you're on a field, anytime you're, you're learning something in academics, any, it, it requires action, and that action requires coaching. You have to learn how to do it. And the better you learn, the more you grow, and the more you grow, the better able you are to do it. You guys with me? How many guys watched the NFL draft? Okay, it was a crazy draft. Cowboys, unfortunately, did well. All right, um, in the draft. It just makes my heart sad because their defense got better, and that was the one thing I love to talk about is how bad their defense was. All right, but here's the thing I kept hearing over and over and over. This guy is teachable. This guy has potential. This guy has growth. He is at the epitome of football. He's just been drafted into the NFL. There is no better league, no better place to be, and they're still talking about their ability to grow. So even when we learn how to love, I think it opens up the door for more growth, the door to know Christ or God better. And that's what that verse is getting at. There's another one. Um, it's, pro it's progressive. You're not going to start out today loving each other perfectly, right? My mom tells a story, kind of funny story, <clears throat> about how she walked into church one day and this lady who had previously not seemed to like her very much or treat her very nicely hugged her and said, I'm glad you're here. My mom was like, hmm, wonder what that was all about. <laughs> it's kind of weird, right? Imagine somebody you go to church with that you just don't see eye to eye with and you don't usually talk or do stuff and they just warmly hug you. She said, I kind of figured it out in the service because the pastor said at the end of service, just like last week, I want you to go out and find someone you love that you can't stand. My mom was like, oh, okay. Um, it's pretty funny. <laughs> but it's progressive, right? You're going to do things that are going to take you into loving better, and loving better is going to equip you to grow, which is going to equip you to love better. It's beautiful. So listen to, listen to what Peter says. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. That last statement, how many would you like to escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires? That, that sounds amazing to me, all right? Because that's all about me chasing the wrong things. And so Peter's saying, hey, if you're going to chase the right things, you're going to have a life that's fulfilled, and you're going to have a life that's satisfying, and you're not going to be distracted by our world that's broken and evil, then here's kind of how it goes. Um, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, if I want to love, I start doing things that show that. And as I grow, I start adding. And as I add things, I learn to love more. And if I keep on the top of this, he finishes with love. He says, keep adding love. Keep adding love. Add love. To all this, add love. 
the emphasis is, if I'm doing all of this, and we're going to hear this repeated by every writer of the New Testament, if I'm doing all this without love, it's empty and meaningless. Okay? If I'm adding brotherly kindness, if I'm self-controlled, if I'm adding perseverance and, and godliness, and I do it without love, Corinthians is going to say it's going to like I'm just a big noisy symbol. I'm just going to be a distraction. It's not going to be real. It's not going to be helpful. It's going to be noticeably off. But it's steps. Start adding things. Start doing things. So, um, in that in that mold, what what does it look like? So, how does love cause growth? This verse uh, in Corinthians. Corinthians 13 is such a beautiful, I could have spent the whole time talking about love just staying in Corinthians 13. Okay, and I'm sure a lot of you have read the love chapter. If you haven't, what a great chapter on what love is supposed to look like and, and, and how ineffective it is if, if we live life without it. Uh, go, go spend a, a week in that chapter, just really pulling it apart and saying, hey, do I love like this? Uh, is it possible to love like this? Have I ever been loved like this? A lot of times the best times we learn to love and, and we learn to how to love is when we've been loved effectively. Would you agree with that? Like when it's been modeled well, a lot of times somebody will do something and I'll feel loved and I'll think to myself, I want to be like that. And and so as we go through these, don't just read it, contemplate it, like absorb it, like really just chew on it for a minute and let it let it change your life. Here's Here's where I'm focusing right now. In in 13, 6, and 8, it says this. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. What a great statement of what love looks like. But also, what a great statement of what growth looks like, right? As you're you're looking at this and you're reading, hey, this this is what love is. It does these things. If it's doing these things, you love. But it also talks about, to me how we know we're growing, right? So let's pull this apart. Love's truthful, right? Love is truthful. If I, tr- if I love somebody, if I'm, if I'm really trying to, to show them that I love them, to, to, to pursue them with love, I'm truthful. How many of you guys can say in your relationships you're 100% truthful? Right? But if my focus is <laughs> that I love you, then I'm going to be open and truthful. When something comes up, I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to, try to manipulate it or sway it. I'm not going to try to, to shade it. I'm not going to try to trip it into a certain direction so that you believe me. I'm just going to tell you, look, I'm, I, I, you need to know where I am and, and you need to know the fact that I'm trying to love you and you need to know that this is going on. Because if I don't tell you the truth, right, I'm basically giving you a false version of me. Whatever you fall in love with, whatever you love, whatever you're trying to love, you're, you're loving something that's not real because I'm lying, because I'm untruthful. But I can't be truthful. I can't grow in truth unless I'm looking at you the way God looks at you, unless I'm loving you. It, it, love is the motivator to be truthful, right? Truth doesn't help us outside of love. And so we grow in truth when we grow with the realization that the more I love you, the more open and honest I'm going to be with you. You see the connection? You see how we grow? Love is sustaining. Excuse me. 
Okay, love is sustaining. That's what this tells us. Um, it, it bears all things. In all the hardships, in all the stuff we're doing, in all the stuff we go through, some of you guys are going through amazingly hard times. This has been a hard year for my family. I, I, I'm with you, right? And in through, through all of this, the more I know God and the more I'm focused on how much he loves me and cares for me, it sustains me through these times. So when I see hard times and I'm standing there and thinking, my faith is not enough, I am not going to be able to get through this. Where, and I've had these conversations this year with God. I don't know that I can deal with this. I don't know that I'm strong enough. I don't know how people who deal with this deal with this. I'm scared. Knowing God loved me, knowing that God was going to sustain me was enough. But if I hadn't spent time knowing God loved me, then would I have been able to sustain through this? I don't know. I don't think so. I barely made it knowing God loved me. But it sustains through it. So as you start to know God loves you, you start to know others, people love you, and you know people support you, and you have been loving, and you have been doing this stuff. You're able to get through these times that don't make any sense. Love carries you through. And then your faith grows. Your ability to sustain through things grow because you know you are loved. You start to really understand things like Paul says, that to live is Christ, to die is gain, right? Because I know Christ loves me, so while I'm here, I'm covered, and one day this is all going to be different because I'm loved. And you grow. Love believes, it says. Love believes all things. How many have a difficult person in your life? As soon as I said that, you're like, bing, (laughs) little pitcher. And then like there's devil horns on the person, right? You did that on your own. They don't actually have those horns. Um, And so you're like, I know. For some of you, you're looking at him, all right? (laughs) You're like, you're my difficult person. I know I can be uh, an acquired taste. Um, (laughs) I try, I really do, and I really do. But I know that sometimes I'm your difficult person, and I accept that and work on that. But... um, Love believes what God believes. Are you with me? So think about your difficult person and know that God created that person. God has a plan for that person equal or better than your plan. Right? God has a perfect plan for that person. God wants that person to know him and to be saved. And love believes that. Right? And so when I'm looking at these difficult people and I'm looking at even regular old people that I love. That I'll be honest, Ted and I, sometimes we sit down and we have terse conversations. Terse is a good word. Look it up. I did. Just make sure it was the right one. Um, and, and there's times when we're like, and he's like, and I'm like, no. And he's like, mm. and it, it, it's mm, like that. Okay. I just have no better words for it than that. Right. But I love that man. And here's the thing. I'm, I know that he loves me. Right. And so we have a relationship where we can hammer out the details, be upset with each other, and you know what? I still believe everything I know to be true about that man to be true. It never changes. I know everything that God has told me about that man is absolutely, adequately perfect for who he is in my life. And so we fight together. Our fights, even though we, we, we argue about things and how things should be done in different parts of doctrine, we do it together. And I grow as a person. Do you know how much sharper and how much more mature I am since I've been here because of that man? It's because 
I've grown out of our love for each other and our common love for God, right? Because I guarantee if we both didn't love God, we probably wouldn't get along because we are very different people, okay? If you know the two of us, you know how different we are, right? Uh, imagine us both in the same room at camp. That's fun, all right? Um, okay, um, he, do you realize he has, he has like 18 shirts and they're like by day and he folds each one of them every day, refolds them and like it's awesome, my stuff's all in one bag and wrinkled, and it's like, hey, that's clean. Okay, um, <laughs> so it's, it, that, that explains the differences between us probably more than anything. All right, <laughs> love hopes. Guys, how are you going to get through life if you have no hope? How are you going to go to the next thing, the next day, the next stuff? Love hopes, and hope allows us to finish, to push through, to work, to say, hey, I know there's a reason, even if I can't see it, because I have hope in Christ. I have hope in the people that God uses in my life. And it causes us to look at life a little different. And so we grow in how we see life and how we see Christ. Love love endures. We've talked about that. You're going to keep going. Difficult people, difficult situations, good things. You're going to endure through because you are loved. And then I love this last part, love never fails. It never fails. If, if you're struggling with an aspect of growth, if you're struggling with an aspect of, uh, of, of something in your spiritual life, if you're struggling with a person, if you're, if you're struggling with an issue, going back to God and being remembered and loved and, and, and refocused and that it's that simple. Okay, I had a friend call me yesterday. No, not yesterday. Ted, when did he call me? I told you. Two days ago? Three days ago? I have a friend named Dondi. Um, <clears throat> and a couple years ago, we had a falling out, a big one. Um, and uh, I have, over the years, tried to renew that friendship. Uh, and uh, this is a man who I see as a father figure. This is a man who I see as very, very, very key in me becoming who I was and am. And... Each time I tried to renew that friendship and, and, and renew that, he was still hurt, and so it didn't happen. Um, it, we, we, were, we were past the incident, but we weren't the same. Um, and there's been times in my life in those years that have gone between now and then where I have wanted to call him and say, hey, I need your advice. I, need, I just need you to be who you were, and it wasn't there. Um, and I kept praying and praying and praying that, that one day he'd be able to forgive me because a lot of what happened was my fault. Um, and he called me two days ago and said, hey, um, I'm getting ready to preach in a couple of days and I'm going through this and I'm realizing that we're not okay and it's my fault and I'm sorry and I want your forgiveness. And I just broke down and started crying, right? Because this is a man who I, I have wanted to have my relationship back with for some time. And I thought to myself, that's neither him nor me. That's God relentlessly loving him to the point where he can then let go of the things that I did. It didn't fail. Love didn't fail. God continued to work on that relationship until it, until it was fixed two days, three days ago. It doesn't fail. It just isn't always in our timeline. And so one of the biggest things we can learn in learning how to love and learning God's timeline in love is patience because our time is not God's time. And the biggest growth thing all of us have to deal with when we're dealing with God is patience. 
Because two things happen that cause us to, to grow in God. We have to learn how to wait. And sometimes we have to learn how to know that things are happening that we will never know. We will never see. Okay? How many have children? Again, just... How many of your children, how many have multiple children? Because only ch- if you only, have a, you only have one child, I'm sorry, this doesn't apply to you. All right? Um, I'm just sorry. It doesn't. Because this will never happen in this situation. But if you have more than one child, this has probably happened to you. Why didn't Emma get in trouble? What, well, I did all this and I'm getting in trouble. What Emma's getting? And I always say the same thing. That's none of your business. Right? That's between me and Emma. Okay? Or that's between me and Gabe. That's between me and Logan. Well, what's happening to mom? Nothing. She's your mother. <laughs> live with that. Okay. Just live with it. All right. Was she wrong? Not in your case. Right? We have to deal with these conversations all the time. Here's the thing. I reward and, and punish and discipline my children in regards to them only. And so sometimes my other kids don't get to see what's going on in the other kid's life. Right? And we're no different. God does stuff and answers prayer and disciplines and, and grows us based on us. And sometimes we get to see that and sometimes we don't. Do you need patience for that? Sure. And as you start to grow in that patience, you start to expect God to do things beyond what you can see. And, and man, does your spiritual life take off when you expect God to do things apart from you. <laughs> right? Because he does, and he will. It's just now you've joined in the plan the right way, and you're seeing God correctly. All right? Jesus lived this out. Listen to what he said. Um, in, in John 13, it's, uh, John describes Jesus like this. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Right? This is right before he washes their feet. John sets up that with this. Okay? There's a whole cool story behind the foot washing thing, but it basically comes down to this there is very little he could have done that would have been as humbling and as showing of love as that act of washing the, the disciples' feet, right? And it says, John realizes after this happens that he was showing them that he was going to love them to the very end, right up to the cross. Even Judas, who's going to betray him, he loved them to the end. Even Judas, he loved, right? In Romans, Paul said it this way, but God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still difficult people, he died for us, right? And, and so, so we know Jesus does this. We, we know that his model for us, basically what we see throughout the gospel is that he modeled for us what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it. And, and here's the thing I want you guys to grasp. You ready? Just, just let this sink in for a second. Okay, go back to that son of thunder mentioned at the beginning, right? How do you turn a son of thunder someone who's angry, who's, who's difficult, who's a fighter, who's a roughneck, all these things, and to someone that's, that basically lives their whole life trying to show people how to love. How do you take a guy like Peter and turn him into the, the apostle we see after Acts? He can't, I mean, we're talking about literally weeks between the act of when he stands before people and says, I don't even know who Jesus is. I don't even know that guy, right? He denies Jesus three times, and then he goes and hides, right? This is what we've got. And then weeks later, he understands who Christ is. He, 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 his, Christ's love is completed in him, in salvation, 
And now this man, just weeks later, walks out into the crowds, declares himself to be a disciple of Christ, and leads 3,000 people to Christ. Love changes everything about who we are. This is the man who was afraid of dying, so he went and hid and denied Christ. Eventually he would say, hey, if you have to kill me, hang me upside down on a cross, because I don't even want to be approaching Jesus. I don't even want to be approaching who he was, so do something completely different. But if you've got to kill me, kill me. I love Jesus. There is growth that happens when we love and we experience the love of salvation and the love of Christ. It's crazy the difference between those guys. James wouldn't even acknowledge Jesus as his brother. He wouldn't even acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah. And then Jesus dies and comes back to life and James writes one of the most powerful books to Christians ever written telling us, hey, there's more to this. And, and throughout the whole thing, you see the same thing. If you are not serving, if you are not loving, you don't know him. It's good stuff. As we learn to love, we grow. It's natural, it's expected. <coughs> Sorry, I have a cough today. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. What ties us together, people? What causes us to grow? What causes us to work? Love, right? God so loved the world. You you know the finish to that. Even if you're not a Christian, you know the finish to that. That he gave his only son. That whosoever believes in him will have eternal life. You're so loved. Let that sink in for a second. I just want to stop right there. You are so loved. Because I think there's people sitting in here who don't feel loved. And you're stuck. I think there's people sitting in here at moments you don't feel loved. And whatever you don't feel loved in, you're stuck in. The only thing that gets us out of the rut, that gets us past uh, depression, that gets us past anger, that gets us past the, the, the past is the fact that you are desperately and completely and totally efficiently loved by God. And that frees you to do so much. When you're loved by God and you know it, and, and you go and, and, and you acknowledge that and you acknowledge your place and you acknowledge the fact that he is king and Lord, it frees you. It, it changes you. I am not a loving person by nature. I think if, if in my early days somebody was going to describe me, son of thunder would have been adequate. I was a fighter and I hated people who didn't see eye to eye with me. I, I, I was a good hater, which is a horrible thing to say about somebody. Hell grudges was difficult to get along with. And you can see some of that still. It pops up. Because cause I'm not completely who I want to be in Christ yet. But I can tell you what, knowing that I'm loved changed everything for me. What is it in your life? What is going on right now where you can look at it and say, God, I just need to know that to move past this, to move into this, to move away from this or towards this, whatever it may be, I just need to know that I'm loved enough that I'm secure and I'm okay and I can pursue you. 
And that's where growth comes. Growth, uh, love removes every block. I'm going to tell you a couple things. We're almost done here. I got three things. And I'm going to pray. Guys, if you're not praying, if you're not even talking to God, you're missing out on your number one way to know him and be loved by him. Because when you stop and you pray, there, there, I don't know about for you, but for me, when I stop and I pray, there is an overwhelming feeling of being known and being loved despite my stuff. If you get nothing out of prayer, you get that, but prayer is so much more. Prayer is where I get to go to God and say, look, you know me, so I don't have to pretend like I've got this together. I don't have to pretend like there's a justification or a reason for this. There isn't, and you know it. And I can be open and I can be me, which then frees me when God knows me and loves me and I'm free in prayer to express who I am with all my faults, then I'm not afraid to do it for you. Because honestly, if you don't love me, God does. But I also find the crazy thing about this is when prayer frees me up to be me and I can admit who I am before God and I can talk with him and have him build me up, I'm more able to be loved because I'm more like him. You got, guys, you have to make prayer. You have to, if you're gonna grow, if you're gonna be loved, if you're gonna know the love of God, you have to be praying. God doesn't say pray because you get to check off the Christian mark, okay? Or because somehow that will make you a better Christian. It will, but it's not the point. You pray because when you pray, you know God. How many guys ever have been in love? Like, not with God, just in love right? How many of you guys had that phone call where like, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. And then your roommate goes, I got it, <laughs> right? <laughs> Shouldn't it be like that with God? God, I don't even want to get off the phone with you. And eventually when we love people, we don't have the, now me and my wife are like, get some milk. Okay, bye. <laughs> love you, <laughs> Right? Because we know a lot of things about each other, right? Or we think we do. We know a lot about each other. So our conversations aren't these big like, who are you? I'm discovering you as a person deepness, right? But God so deep, he never ends. It's a never-ending conversation. You're always going to find out more about God in prayer. You're never going to want to hang up. But we get distracted. We feel like we can't. We feel like our stuff gets in the way. And the, the honest answer to that is nothing gets in the way of prayer. Prayer lets you know you're loved. The next thing we need to do is we need to spend time together. If you are not in a life team, if you do not have a group of men or women that are, you're meeting with regularly, that fellowship, that being together, that's how you learn to love and that's how you get support and you're loved. And that's who's going to encourage you to know God more. Because on our own, we don't do it well. Look at Paul. Paul went on no mission trip unaccompanied. He never went by himself. Okay, there's no, there's no example in the Bible where you have somebody doing it on their own. Jesus went and found people to do ministry with him. I don't think because he needed to, but he, he wanted to show us how important it is that we do this in concert with other believers. If you're not in a life team, talk to Ida, talk to Tiny, talk to Ted, talk to me. We'll get you in one. 
If you don't have anybody or the life teams don't work for you, talk to people that you know in here that are believers. We've got elders like Stan and Mike and pastors like Ted and myself and, and Sam is a junior high pastor and we've got college kids and we've got people who want to know God deeper and would do it with you, I think. That's the whole point. And, and, and having people go along with you, not only does God love you, now people love you and oh my gosh. What, what changes is everything. When you're loved, there is very little you're afraid of. If, when you're truly loved, when you feel truly secure in who you are in God and who you are with a couple key people, there is nothing that is impossible in your life. And you begin to grow. The other thing we have to do is serve. Okay? You cannot love. You cannot be someone who describes himself as loving if you are not serving other people. The whole definition of love is putting other people's needs before yourself and God's commands before yourself. It's how we love God. It's how we love others. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands, right? And John gets right down to it. If you can't love your brother, you can't love Jesus. That's a bold statement can't love your brother, you can't love Jesus. If we're not loving others, then we're missing out on the chance to exercise it. How many of you guys have ever wanted to get in shape? Like not this shape, like I am right now, but like, like in shape, <laughs> right? You want to get in shape. <clears throat> Doesn't it take exercise? Don't you actually have to not just like dream of, of like getting on the elliptical machine, but you actually have to get on it? I have an elliptical machine. That's awesome. You apparently don't ever use it. Um, that's what my wife says to me. Um, right? She goes, how about you get on that thing once every now and then? I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking about it. You know, I've got the whole workout plan. How many guys buy, like, go to the store and you buy the, get the six-pack abs in six weeks? And you read about it? You even read about it. You might even, like, pencil out a schedule to, like, do the things they say to do. Right? But if that's all you do, are you ever going to have the six-pack abs? Not without surgery. Okay? Just saying. Right? But there's no magical surgery that's going to make you a good Christian. There's, no, there's nothing you can do. There's only one way, and that's to practice it. And as you start to go out in the world and see the desperate need and, and see the things that you can do and start to understand that God equipped you uniquely to do things that no one else can do, he loved you that much, then you start to see your purpose in the world and you want more. If you're not serving, if you don't have an outlet, you're just going to be stagnant. Water that can't move becomes bad water. Right? We know that, especially in Texas, because if you leave water standing in Texas, then you get all these things called mosquitoes and people die from mosquitoes. That's crazy. A little tiny animal that comes around because you're not moving water. Right? Same thing in your life. Sin will overwhelm you. Things will overwhelm you if you're not exercising what you know to be true. Coming, I'm just going to say it. Coming and sitting here every week does not mean you're a Christian. Okay? Sorry. Coming here, learning, and then going out and using it indicates that you know Christ. Right? The fruit we produce shows what we know, shows what we've taken in. And if you're not producing fruit, something's wrong. beautiful thing about Jesus is he loves us when we're wrong and when we're right. doesn't matter. He loves us. He died for us while we're still in our sins. So it's very simple. These simple things, guys, these spiritual disciplines 
allow for us to be loved and allow for us to grow. We can do this. See, I, want, I desperately want our church to know, and me, myself, personally, to be known by the fact that we're, we're loving, especially in this world. I listen to TV, I listen to politics, I listen to people talk, I listen to shows. God, there's some ugly shows on TV right now. And the thing that's missing in all of them is that we don't love each other well. And we, the church, we, the believers, are supposed to be the one that embodies that and shows the world that, man, I might not even understand this Jesus thing, but those people love each other. Those people will die for each other. Those people love each other before they even know each other. How many, how many of you guys have ever seen that in a church? Somebody walks in, they're like, love your brother. And you're like, A, you're not my brother, and B, I don't know you, so this is awkward. All right, um, but okay, I'll, you know, I'm a hugger, okay. Some of you guys with bubble issues, have, a, have that's your church issue. Um, you know, people with no bubble like me, all right? But that's the beauty, love. That's what sets the church apart, love. That's what causes believers to grow, love. So here's what I want to do. If you don't know Christ, if you have never been loved by Christ, if you've never experienced that, then this is, you're sitting here going, man, that sounds great, but I've never experienced it. It might be because you don't know Christ. The Bible is very simple. It says, understand that, that we are messed up. We don't know even how to love. But that Christ came to die for us to save us from the, that very fact. And then all we have to do is acknowledge him as Lord, accept that gift, that death on a cross that cleans us and starts us over and lets us live loved with the ability to grow in love. Bible says, confess your sins, acknowledge his, him as Lord, and you are saved, and you will understand what I'm talking about. But until you know God, you can't know love. And then there's others of you sitting in here that are like me, that are working on this thing. We know God, we know we're loved, but we haven't perfected that by any means yet. And there's specific areas in your life right now that you are holding on to, that you are scared to give up, that you have a problem with somebody because there's a love issue. Either you don't trust and love God enough to let him do what he's doing, or you don't see people right. You don't see people the way God sees them, which is with love. He holds us accountable, but he loves us even when we're messed up. And we need to see that. And so we're going we're gonna to pray here. In just a second, and I'm going to pray two things. One, that if you don't know God, that right here and now, you don't take another day, another moment to go without that because you're stuck without him. And two, that if you're sitting here with stuff, which I, I imagine we all are, got something we can identify right now that's a love issue, that's keeping us from growing, that's keeping us from knowing God, that right now you go to God as we pray and you give that to him. And you say, God, love me through this. Love me enough that I can grow through this, that I can, that I can know you more. Maybe you're not praying. Maybe you don't have a life team. Maybe you don't have people to do this with. Maybe you don't have any place to serve. And so you have no outlet for your love. And, and maybe that's what you need to pray for. I've been praying for more people to pray with. God answers prayer. So let's pray. God, right now I come to you and I just pray for those of you who don't, don't know Christ, that don't know what it is to be loved unconditionally, fully. And, and right now, God, I just pray that with me they acknowledge you. 
it's this simple. God, forgive my sins. You can, you can say it aloud or you can say it quietly. It does not matter. At some point, you need to tell someone that you know Christ so we can help you through it. But pray this prayer. God, forgive me of my sins. I want to be loved by you. I want to know you. Forgive me my sins. Come today and be Savior in my life. Save me from a life that doesn't have that kind of love. Let me walk knowing you today as Lord. Let me know every day how to know you better. God, but right now I acknowledge you as Lord. The Bible says if you prayed that, if, you, if you, your heart felt, acknowledge God as Lord, that he is your Savior today, and you get to move forward, please, please, please tell someone about that today. For the rest of us, God, that know you and have experienced your love, I just pray right now that we just take a minute. If you're sitting here and you know Jesus, I'm not going to pray for you because I can't pray your situation, but you can. So take a minute and just go to God and acknowledge the stuff that's on your heart. The Holy Spirit right now is moving on you to acknowledge and deal with issues. And you have two choices. You can push it away and continue to never have that dealt with it, can continue to never be able to move past it. Or you can let it go, you can grow, you can do what God's calling you to do right now. God is calling your heart. Jesus is moving on your heart to be able to grow again, to be able to know him better. And whatever he's asking for, give him. Take a minute. Pray. because we have good music or not because we have good preaching or none of that matters what matters is that we're loved and that we express that love to others and that's how we are known God start changing us today starting with me let that be our prayer today start with me change my heart God we love you we thank you for everything you do with us this week. Challenge us, grow us. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.